All right, I will say good morning, good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking all of our sponsors. Thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Tishrei. To thank Jerry and Sarah Walaski for dedicating all the Shimon Joshos this month in the Schlusser for Shlima for Zachariah Dov, Ben Peril Shira, Shandy and Avram Kelman, in memory of their beloved parents, and in the schus of those who need a Rafu Shalima, Dr. Linda Weinberg, in loving memory of her husband Paul, Paris Moshe Ben Avram David, Selma Wolf, with immense gratitude to Hashem and with Tfilos for health for all in the new year. Leah Sol, as is close to our for our daughter Ilana Bas Esther, and for all those in need of Yeshua's. To thank our week of learning sponsors, Jeff Schwartz, and appreciation for the Dafio Mishir. Beautiful, I with that, let us begin. We have a lot to do today, Baruch Hashem. Today's Daf is Mem Vav, 46. And we are picking up Amir Hashem on Mem Ham, Mem Ham, base 45b. And let's pick up actually at the two dots. So really uh, a good amount of ground to cover today. But Amir Hashem, we will get there. So the Gemara goes right there. Discussion supposed to remember again, the general topic that we are still dealing with today is actually a continuation of what we were talking about yesterday, which is the concept of a kitana getting, having kiddushin without the knowledge or consent of her father. Again, I, I know we jumped the gun a little bit because I took you to the halach halamaisa, to the Rambam, you know, even before the sugi was finished, but I thought it would be helpful for kind of for us to maintain direction throughout, uh, throughout this journey. So that's the ongoing discussion over here. A kitana goes ahead and accepts kiddushin without the consent of her father, Ultimately, again, what is the impact and ramification of those actions? So the Gemara goes weiter with a, with a variation of this, of this particular theme. So the Gemara says as follows. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. So now a variation. Let's say the girl, we'll call her Rachel. Rachel accepted Kiddushin with, with the knowledge of her father. But then her father went overseas. I will say now what happened over here in this case is something very interesting. So Kiddushin occurred with the knowledge and consent of her father. Nisuin occurred without the knowledge or consent of her father. Her father was overseas and she decided to go ahead and now do Nisuin. So what's the status of the Nisuin? Says the Gemara, So Rav says, ultimately again, Nebo say, now it's interesting. So Rav says, Assuming over here that she's, she's marrying a coin. So Rav says she has the ability to go ahead and eat truma until her father comes back and objects to the Nisuin. Which essentially means that Rav says, the Nisuin works. The Nisuin works. And therefore she has every right to go ahead and function as the wife of a coin, i.e. consume truma, unless her father comes ahead, comes back and objects. Look at Rashi, Ochel is with truma. So it's right across in Rashi. In Kohen who, the Kohen if her husband is a Kohen, even though again, the Chupa, the Nisuin, did not occur with the consent of the father. Interestingly enough, so remember again, even though normally the halach is a woman does not eat truma until after her chuppah, right? And ultimately, again, this girl had her chuppah without the knowledge or consent of her father. But we make an assumption. The assumption is that since the father was allowed or, or, or consented to the kiddushin, that he would also consent to the nisuin. And we assume that that consent is present, unless, of course, he comes back and, and objects. So therefore, again, Rav says, we allow her to go ahead and continue to eat truma, 
until the father comes back and objects. The Gemara goes right. Ravasi Yom Ravasi says, "Ino chalas." No, she can't eat truma. Shemiyavo aviyav yimcha. The name says Zara ochalas truma lemafreya. Ravasi says she can't eat truma. We say why can't she eat truma? Because since there's a possibility here that what father will come back and object. If father comes back and objects, then what? Then there is no nisuin. So then it turns out if there's no nisuin, then she was a non a non kohenes, right? The czar going ahead and consuming truma. That's a pretty big role of the dice to take. So the Gemara says, that's the Machlokas. That's the Machlokas. Hava Ovda. So an episode like this once actually occurred. The Chash Larav Lahad Ravasi. And ultimately, again, even Rav himself was Choshish for the position of Ravasi. See, even Rosa, see, even Rav himself, who was Mako, who, who said really, Halacha since the father consented to Kiddushin, we could assume that he would have consented to Nisuin. And therefore, the Rachel should be able to eat Truma. In the actual case, Rav was Choshish for the position of Ravasi and didn't allow Rachel, the wife, to go ahead and consume Truma. Incredible. So the Gemara goes right there. The Gemara says, Rav, Rav agrees, Shinesa Eina Yarsha. The Bible says, even Rav, who allows, we'll call her Rachel, in this case, to consume Truma, would agree that if Rachel died, if Rachel died, her husband, right, would not inherit her. Husband would not inherit her. So even though, again, technically speaking, Rav allows Rachel to eat truma, if Rachel were to die after engaging in this nisuin that the father was not present for, that the new husband would not inherit Rachel, instead her father would inherit her. Why? Because when it comes to money, when it comes to money, ultimately, again, we go ahead and we keep money in the possession where there's a chazaka. And since the father has the chazaka, ultimately, again, of that property, therefore, remember, Rav's, Rav's, uh, Rav's position, allowing her to eat Shuma, is actually not such a chiddish. Why? Remember, Mita Oraisa, an Arusa, is permitted to eat Shuma. Remember, we've seen this sugi before. So what's the concern? What's the concern? The concern is, remember, since as an Arusa, she's still living in her fam, her father's home, she may take some of the Shuma and go ahead and share it with her family. But Mita Oraisa, so what Rav is saying is, Technically speaking, this girl, Kol Rachel, after she has Erison with a coin, technically, she's permitted to eat Shuma. Okay, so now she did Nisuin without the knowledge of the father. So there's no reason not to allow her to eat Shuma. So even Rav will ask eat Shuma, that's because Midaraisa, that's Mutter. But Rav would agree that if she dies, if she dies, ultimately, again, her new husband does not inherit her. But ultimately, again, we keep the money with the father. Incredible. Well, so that's case one. Case two. Okay, so we'll say, so now, a variation of that previous case. Same, same basic premise, which is, number one, Kiddushin happened with the consent of the father. Okay? Nisuin, Nisuin was Shaloladas. Nisuin ultimately, again, so Rachel did Nisuin on her own, but her father is present. Her father was present. So as in the first case, father was overseas, that's Shalola Das In this case over here, she acted without the knowledge of her father, but her father is present. Now we'll say, what's the chab of her father's present? Her, her father is here, which means he found out about it and didn't say anything. That's, that's the underlying piece over here, right? So he found out, 
He didn't say anything. So Rafuna, Rafuna says, Eno Chalas. Rafuna says, she cannot eat Chuma. She cannot eat Chuma. Rabbi Yerbi Yabar Abba, Amr Chalas. Rabbi Yerbi Yabar says, no, she can eat Chuma. So let's analyze this. Rafuna, Amr Eno Chalas. Rafuna says, she can't eat Chuma. Fafilu Lerav, the Amr Chalas. As well say, even according to Rav, who in the previous case said that she can eat Chuma, so we'll say, Rav said in the previous case that she can go and eat Shuma. Why? The father is not present. The father is not present. He's overseas. But we assume that since he consented to the Kiddushin, he would consent to the Nisuin. Watch this. But here, in case number two, the father is present. So, but he's silent. So we'll say, so remember again, she did Nisuin without his knowledge, but he's present. And yet he's silent. How do we understand his silence? Haidishtik Mersach Rasach. He'll say, why is he silent? So he'll say, you know what you see from this Gemara? Passive aggressive is not something new. Right? So in other words, so what happens? Why is he quiet? Why is he quiet? So ultimately, he's angry. He's angry. So instead of voicing his disapproval of his daughter's actions, instead of what does he do? He remains silent. He remains silent. And therefore, again, his silence, his silence is a form of objection. Rabbi Yirmiyabar Abba Amar Ocheles, Rabbi Yirmiyabar says, no, no, no. In this case, she certainly can eat Shuma. Why? Because even according to Ravasi, in the previous case, said she can't eat Shuma. Well, in the previous case, when the father is overseas, the concern was what? That the father will come and object to this marriage. She'll come back. But over here, we'll say, ultimately, again, since he's quiet, Steve, thank you so much. Since he's quiet, since he's quiet, his silence represents, thank you, his silence represents his acquiescence. Silence represents acquiescence. And therefore, he's totally good, ultimately, again, with this marriage. So, I both say, say, interesting. So, again, in case number two, in case number two, what's the fundamental machlokas? How do we interpret his silence? Right? So, he, so she does Nisun without his knowledge, without the father's knowledge, but he's silent. He finds out about it, and he's silent. How do we interpret his silence? First opinion, silence is objection. Second opinion, silence is acquiescence. So, I both say, by the way, I'll just point out something incredibly amazing. What do you see from here? You see from here the danger of silence in relationships, right? Sometimes, again, people go silent in relationships, right? People, are, people deal with stressful situations in all kinds of ways. Some people yell and scream. Other people just totally withdraw and they, they become silent. The danger of silence in relationships is what? You don't know what it means. You don't know what it means. And that, that absence of communication allows someone else in the relationship to make all of their own interpretations, right? The silence means you're okay. The silence means you're not okay. The silence means you're happy. You're not happy. You're angry. I want to say that's why, in general, in, in relationships, communication, even if it's intense communication, is always better than silence. Because at least if you're communicating, the other person in the relationship knows where it is that you're holding. Silence, at the end of the day, you leave room for all type of interpretation and speculation. Such an incredible Mosahaska. That's the Machlokas. Good, let's go right there. Says the Gemara. Bozal, I'll just tell you, just so, so that we keep track of the cases. So in case number one, where, again, Kiddushin took place, Kiddushin took place, ultimately, again, with the Das of the father, and then, again, she does Nis- and then he, father goes overseas, she does Nisuin on her own. So, again, I will say, in that case, said the Raman Paskins like like Ravasi, that she is not allowed to eat Truma. 
Sumish is marrying a Kohen. She's not allowed to eat Truma because we are concerned that the father is going to come back and object. Case number two, Rabbi where again, Kiddushin happens with the consent of the father. She does Nisun without the father's knowledge, but the father finds that he's, he's present. He knows about it. And ultimately, again, doesn't say anything. So once again, we pass in like Rafuna, well, not once again, we pass in like Rafuna of Eina Ochelas, that she does not eat Truma. Once again, out of a concern, out of a concern that Halacha maybe the silence means an objection. So bottom line, bottom line is, whenever we are not sure about the father's level of consent to any stage of marriage, she can't eat truma. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line takeaway from this. Go, let's go back to her. Says the Gemara. This What happens again? I will say. So back to our back to our beginning cases. She has kiddushin without the consent of her father. Venises shelo dasavia. So we'll say. So in this case again. Everything is happening without the knowledge and consent of her father. So again, no kiddushin, nisuin, everything happening, the father doesn't know what's going on. So the Gemara says, what's the halacha? So the Gemara says, Kan Rafuna Amr Ochelas, Rabbi Yirmiyabar Abba Amr Eino Ochelas. Rafuna says she can eat truma, and Rabbi Yirmiyabar Abba says she can't eat truma. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. The Gemara says, so Kan Rafuna Amr Ochelas, Rabbi Yirmiyabar Abba Eino Ochelas. Amr Ula, Had Rafuna, so we'll say, Ula essentially says, the statement of Rafuna makes no sense. So we'll say, so again, just to be clear, this is a case of where she's having Kiddushin and Nisuin, Shalo Lidas Aviyah. Right? The father doesn't know. So Rafuna says that she could go and eat Shuma. So, so Ula says, the statement of Rafuna, Kechomes Lishinaim, Leinaim. This statement is like vinegar for the teeth and smoke for the eyes, which means not good. I will say, now by the way, it doesn't mean it's just not good. What does it mean? What does it mean? It's abrasive. I will say, sometimes people say things that don't make sense. Sometimes people say things that are just absolutely abrasive. So this is like a real shtach. So Ula says about Rafuna, it's not only that I disagree with your statement. I think what you're saying is fundamentally abrasive. So we'll say, in the previous case, right, in the previous case, where ultimately, again, we had a situation where she had real kiddushin, i.e. the father consented, but yet, then as soon was done, and yet, again, in that case, she could not eat. Remember, again, Rav Huna said in the previous case, where kiddushin was then she did nisuin, without her father's knowledge, the father was present. That is why Rafuna said she can't eat truma. So now Rafuna in a case where she did kiddushin shalola dasavia nisuin shalola dasavia and she could eat truma. It doesn't make any sense. So the gemara says hashdam ha'asam the kiddushin daraisa amr lo achla ha'achla lo kol shekain. So we say top of menvav. So the gemara says nirin divrei talmud. You're right. Enachinami. The words of the disciple ultimately again seem to make sense. I must say who's the disciple over here? So interestingly enough. Rabbi Yirmiya was the, stu- we'll say, Memvav Modal 46a, first line. So we'll say, interestingly enough, Rabbi Yirmiya was the student of Rafuna. So again, just to go back for just a second. The case we're dealing with now is where Kiddushin and Nisuin both were without the knowledge and consent of the father. Rafuna says, if she's marrying a Kohen, ultimately she could eat Shuma. Rabbi Yirmiya says, no, she can't. Ula says, Rafuna, your statement makes no sense. Your statement makes no sense, okay? Your statement makes no sense. Ultimately, again, so, so now, your statement makes no sense. 
Ula says, therefore, it would appear the words of the student, Ayyrebirmiya, who says that she can't eat truma in this scenario, seem to make more sense. Niri, different Tamil. Amarabah, my Tamil Rafuna. What's Rafuna's logic? What's Rafuna's logic? In other words, where, where, where does Rafuna get this? That she could eat truma in such cases? Like, this is actually quite fascinating. So we'll say, interestingly enough, how does Rafuna understand this case? Rafuna understands this situation ultimately again of a girl, bless you, of a girl who is performing these actions, although without the knowledge of her father, or I should say without the, without the consent of her father, it's being done with the knowledge of her father. Meaning, her father knows that she accepted Kiddushin. Her father knows that she's done Nisuin. And yet, what has the father said or done in both of these scenarios? Nothing. So we have this concept in Halacha, of a Yasum or Yisoma Bechaye Ha'av. A child who is a yasum with living parents. What's the definition of a child, a yasum with living parents? Where a parent essentially is totally uninvolved in the functions of the child. So in this case over here, where Rachel's doing these things and the father, he, he finds out about it, and yet he doesn't say anything about it. Halakhically, the conclusion that Rafuna reaches is the father must be relinquishing his rights in his daughter. So because he's relinquishing the rights in his daughter, therefore again, her actions are meaningful. Her condition is good. Her nisun is good. And therefore, she could eat truma. That, that's how Rav Huna. Now, again, I'll say, once again, we paskin like Rav in this case as well. That in this kind of, remember again, because we paskin in general, any kiddushin or nisun undertaken by a girl, by a katana, without the knowledge of her father, inconsequential. Totally inconsequential. So that's how you pass it in all of these cases. But Allah Chamei said that's the Svara al Rafuna. Quite amazing. Okay, let's go back there. Says the Gemara. Okay, let's go back to Sezigmar Itmar. Kitana Shin is Kachashaladasavia. So again, continuing in the same case over here. A Kitana ultimately again has Kiddush without the consent of her father. Amarab, Bain He Benavia Kholakit. So we'll say, so now, now we're looking at the other end of this equation. Let's say Kitana got herself into this. Right? She accepted Kiddushin without the knowledge or consent of her father. So now we'll say, what is the process if she wants to get out of this relationship? Okay, so the Gemara says, so Rav says, either she or her father have the ability to object and get out of this marriage. So we both say, without a get, without a get we're talking about, it'll be all right. Just simple, simple objection. I don't want this. We'll either go ahead and undo this from her perspective or from her father's perspective. Okay, Ravasi Ravasi says, Ravasi says, only, only her father, but not her. She, right, she doesn't have the ability to undo it, only her father does. So let's analyze. So we'll say, for us, for us, remember, so we already know the conclusion. The conclusion to all of this is that the actions of a katana in this, in this realm are totally meaningless anyway. Right, totally meaningless. All right, but let's go back there. So Rafuna is the question to Ravasi. Others say it was Ravasi. Remember again, the Torah is talking about over here that if a woman, if a woman is violated or seduced by a man, so the halacha is the violator, the seducer has the obligation to marry her. What happens if the father objects to the marriage? So then, 
that blocks the marriage, and there's a, there's a payment that is made to the girl. So the Pasuk says, in ma'in yima'in, if the father refuses. So I know that the father has the ability to go ahead and object to a marriage. He How do we know that she has the ability to object as well? We'll say the double ocean of ma'in yima'in indicates that what? Both the father and the girl have the ability to go ahead and object. Rav says, do not go ahead and pay heed to that objection. I could go ahead and so again, so this this remember this remember is the Kasha on Ravasi. Because Ravasi said only the father has the ability to object. Now ultimately again the Gemara is showing in Ma'in Yima'in, even the girl has the power of objection. So the Gemara says, don't worry about that objection. He says, I could explain it in the following case. Kigon Shepita Ishos. Maybe we're talking about a man, a seducer, who seduced a girl not for the sake of marriage. And maybe that's the case, ultimately, again, where either the girl or the father have the ability to object. But maybe if there's kiddushin involved, kiddushin involved, only the father has the ability to object. Peter Sholoshim, I understand. If we had a situation of a man who seduced a woman, right, not for the sake of relations, so both say that's just that, that's just seduction for the sake of relations. That that there's no kiddushin in there. So what's the what's the refusal? Does that require a pasuk? So Amrav Nachman Bar Yisroch Lomar Shemeshalim Kines Kimefuta. Well, no, no. It teaches us that Allah saw that even if the seduction took place not for the sake of marriage. The penalty payment is still paid. Only Rabbi Yosef, if that's the case, that's what we learned. Pasuk says, So this is talking about a man who seduced a basula. A basula. So the Torah talks about the obligation that he has to marry her. So the words of the ishos kiddushin lamali. But if he seduced her ultimately again for the purpose of marriage, then why would there be another need a need for additional kiddushin? No, no, you would still require ultimately again, even if he seduced her for the sake of marriage, there would still be another kiddushin necessary with the knowledge of her father. So we'll say this concept of ones and mafata, the man who violates women, seduces women, we're going to see these circuits a little bit later on. The emerge just bringing it up a little bit tangentially. How do we pass in? So we'll say, remember again, in general, the, the, so in this particular case, where you have a Kitanish Neskashala Dasavia, Kitan accepted Kiddushin without the knowledge or consent of her father. So obviously anyone could undo this through this, but that's not really even a, a correct statement. Anyone could undo it. Why? Why? Because nothing really occurred to begin with. So kind of like our overarching principle is that a Kitana who affects Kiddushin on her own has done something that's in totally and, and fundamentally inconsequential and halachically invalid. It's nothing. It's nothing. So the truth is, there's nothing really to undo. And we'll say, remember again, even stronger than that. What do we see in the Rambam? If you remember again yesterday when we saw the Rambam, the Rambam said, even if ex post facto, the father says, you know what, good shidduch, it's still inconsequential. In other words, if he likes the shidduch, that's absolutely fine. Then what has to happen? What has to happen? Another act of kiddushin that is performed with his consent. So again, so that, once you have that principle all of these other cases kind of fall into place. Beautiful. But let's say new Mishnah. New Mishnah, let's go back there. Ha'omer Isha. This is actually great. We literally just learned this Mishnah in yesterday's daf. So this is great. Ha'omer Isha. A man says to him, so Reuven goes over to Rachel. Let's say, not a Kitana case anymore. Now, 
Just regular consenting adults. Here we go. Homily Isha. His Kachli Betamrazu, his Kachli Bazu. Ruven gives Rachel a date. Right? And he says, Become Mikudeshes to me with this date. His Kachli Betamrazu, his Kachli Bazu. And we'll say the Lashon over here is very important. Become Mikudeshes to me with this date. date gives her date number one. Become Mikudeshes to me with this date. Gives her date number two. What's the Halacham? As long as one of the dates is worth a pruta, then ultimately again she is mikudeshes. say if neither of the dates, if neither of the dates are independently worth a pruta, then ultimately again she is not mikudeshes. So say bottom line, what is the Mishnah saying when he says to her, "Become mikudeshes to me with this date"? Right? Statement one: Become mikudeshes to me with this date. What he is doing is, he is, each date is a separate transaction. And therefore, again, the only way that Kiddushin works is how? If one of the dates given is independently worth a pruta. I would say, let's say date number one is worth half a pruta. Date number two is worth half a pruta. What's talacha? What's talacha? She's not Mikudesh's. Why? Because since he's giving each date with its own independent statement of Kiddushin, he does not have in mind that the value of the dates should combine. So therefore, if one of the dates is worth a pruta, she's mikudeshes. If not, excuse me, she is not mikudeshes. However, if he says, bizu'u, bizu'u, bizu, what happens if he says to become mikudeshes with this date, and this date, and this date, and this date, then I will say what? Then halacha l'maysa, imyeshavar pruta bekulam mikudeshes. If halacha l'maysa, she will say, because he's not making independent statements, therefore what? If he says bezu, 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 then as long as the total value of all dates given is a pruta or more, then halacha l'maysa, she is in fact mikudeshes. Incredible. Vimlavein mikudeshes. But if the, if the, if the total sum of all dates given is not a pruta. She's not Mikudesh. So we'll say, so bottom line, let's just, what, just dwell on this. We saw this yesterday. But just once again, what's the difference? Case number one, he is attaching a separate statement of Kiddushin to each date given. Mishnah's teaching, when a man does that, then each date is viewed as a separate Kiddushin transaction. And one of the, one of the dates, independently, must be worth a Shavar Pruta in order for the Kiddushin to work. In case two... All of the dates are part of one act of Kiddushin. Bezu, right? Hariat Mikudesh Asli Betamra Zu, Vizu, 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 Vizu. Become Mikudesh with this date, this date, this date, this date, this date. In that case, it's one statement of Kiddushin, the value of all of the dates combined, combined. And therefore, as long as the sum of the dates is a pruta or more, then Halacha Lamai Sashi is Mikudeshas. Haiso Chalas Rishona Rishona in Mikudesh. So we'll say, this is an interesting case. Last case in Mishnah was, let's say she was eating the dates as they came in. Right, right. What, what a great guy this guy is. Ruvain is right. Just give me dates. She's eating the dates as they come in. So I say, what's the halacha? So ainu mikudeshes ad sheyehi ba'achas ben shavar pruta. In that case, she is not mikudeshes until one of the dates has a pruta. Now both say we're going to see in the gemara this third statement over here. Does it attach itself to case number one, or does it attach itself to case number two? That's what we're not sure. It's not because it's not an independent case, right? It's clearly it's modifying, right, or it's commenting on one of the previously aforementioned cases. Is it commenting on case one, case two? That Amir Sashem we will see. Says the Ima, Man Tana Hiskachi Hiskachi. So we'll say who is the Tana who holds Hiskachi Hiskachi that if he's that if you talk like that, Hiskachi Bitam Razu Hiskachi that if you make independent statements of Kiddushin, that each statement is looked at as as transactionally distinct. Who says that? 
Remember again, we saw this in yesterday's daf. That will say, let's say again, five people come over to me, and each of them tell me, each of them claim I owe them a thousand dollars, and I will say, what do I say? I say, I say, shvua, I don't owe you. Shvua, I don't owe you. Shvua, I don't owe you. And I and I swear falsely. What's talacha? Five statements of liability. What's it, what happens if I said, Shvua, that I don't owe you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you? What's Talacha? And I said, I lied. One, one, one bucket of liability. This is the wrong word, but okay. Right? But one, one, well, one, one carbon, right? One, one false Shvua. So we'll say, so that is the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. So Rabbi Shimon says, when you make distinct statements, so distinct statements generate distinct liability. In this case over here, distinct statements generate different, different, distinct transactions of Kiddushin. When you group it all together, it's ultimately one statement. Incredible. So let's go later. So now we're, now we're jumping to the end of the Mishnah. So we'll say that, that last statement of the Mishnah, what was the last statement of the Mishnah? If she eats the dates as they're coming in, right? So he gives her a date, she eats the date. In that case, the only way Kiddushin works is if one of the dates is worth a pruta. So the Gemara says, what, what part of the Mishnah is that going on? Is that going on the first part of the Mishnah? Of oh, his kachili bizu, his kachili bizu, his kachili bizu? Or is that going on the second statement of the Mishnah? Of his kachili bizu, ubizu, ubizu, ubizu? Which one is it going on? So the Gemara says, Ahiyah, ile ma'arisha. If you say it's going on the first case, so my iria chalas. So I'll say, who cares if she's eating the dates? Afilu manachas nami. We'll say, if it's talking about the first case, so then we'll say, remember again, what's the first case? First case is where he's making independent statements of Kiddushin. Become a Kudesh with this date, with become a Kudesh with this date. So we'll say, so it doesn't matter if she's eating it or not. What's Talacha? When is she Mikudeshes? When is she Mikudeshes? If one of the dates is worth a pruta. So whether she's eating the dates as they come in, leaving them on the table, it doesn't really make a difference. She's only Mikudashas when one date is worth a pruta. Ela Seifa. So rather it must be that the last statement of the Mishnah about eating the dates is going on the middle case, case number two. So the says, Vafila become Isa. I'm sorry, Ela Seifa, Vafila So I'll say so then it must be ultimately talking about the the second case, right? The second case is where he said Ultimately, again, his kachidi bizu u bizu u bizu, right? Become a kudeshin with each of these dates. And it sounds like, is that saying that even if the first date, even if the first date, ultimately, look at Rashi, it sounds like even if the first date is worth a pruta, right? Then even if the subsequent ones are not. I was saying, now watch this. Here's the problem. I will say, here's the problem. The problem is when he says, When does he have in mind ultimately again that the Kiddushin should be valid? When? When he finishes giving her the dates. Which means, I will say, what's the status of that first date that he gave her? It's actually interesting. It's really a loan. It's a halva. Right? Why? Because he's giving her something. He's giving her something. But the transaction is not complete until he finishes giving her all of the dates. In which case, that first date that she receives really has the status of like a loan. Look at Rashi. 
Since the Kiddushan is naturally complete until she receives all of the dates, So ultimately, again, if she's consuming the dates as they come in, then really what's happening over here is that Halach said that's like a loan, it's like a Nova, because remember the Kiddushan is not complete until the final, until the final until the final date is given. If that first date was the Shavapruta date, and she's ultimately consuming the dates as they come in, and the other ones are not worth a pruta, then essentially halacha lamaisa, she's becoming mikudeshes with a halva, with a loan. So see, you hear the problem? So the problem is, if we're talking about, so we'll say, remember again, we have an ambiguous third statement in the Mishnah, or third part of the Mishnah, right? The third part of the Mishnah says, if she eats the dates as they're coming in, so as long as one of them was worth a pruta, she's mikudeshes. That is not a standalone case. That is attaching itself to one of the previous two cases in the Mishnah. We don't know which one. So we'll say, it can't be the first one, because if it's the first one, the first one is every transaction is independent. So obviously, one of those dates has to be worth a pruta. So who cares if she's eating it or leaving it on the table? One of them has to be a pruta. If it's the second case, if it's the second case, so if you can imagine, again, where he's saying, bizu, bizu, bizu. So then what that's saying is, even if the first one is worth a pruta, and she's eating them as they come in, she's mikudeshas. So we'll say the problem with that is, if the first date was worth a pruta, and she ate it, and she ate it, the rest of the dates, right, the Kiddushan is not complete until she finishes getting dates. Then it turns out that if the first date was the Shavapruta date, and she consumed that, and that was the Kiddushan date, then effectively she became a Kudesh with the Halva with a loan. Because at the time she consumed that date, ultimately it was really only on loan to her, so to speak, it was a Halva, until all of the dates were given. And you can't be Mekadoshim with a halva. So they're listening to this. It's such a great statement. Rabbi Yochanan says, you know what? We have meat. We have a table. We have meat and we have a knife. But we can't eat. Which I will say is an expression that means, since we have all the information in front of us, we just don't know how to make sense of it. What, what, a, what a great statement. We'll say, how much, how much of life, what, what an incredible metaphor in life, right? How often in life... I have everything I need to be successful. I just don't know how to utilize the tools. I have the table. I have the meat. I have the meat. I have, I have a, a knife. You're saying, you're thinking to yourself, oh, but there's no fork. Uh, don't be such a mifunak. You don't yeah, need a fork. You're fine. Right? In other words, if you have, right, all you need is the knife right? and, and get to work. Right? You're saying, it's such, such a metaphor for life. How sometimes if you can have everything in front of you. I have the table. I have the meat. I have the knife. But yet, somehow, I don't know how to arrange all of the pieces in my life to produce a successful outcome, even though all of the tools are there. So the Gemara says, No, in reality, that last statement is actually going on the first case of the Mishnah. So remember again, what's the first case of the Mishnah? What's the first case of the Mishnah? He gives her a date, right? And they, they are transactionally separate. What's the that case? One of the dates has to be worth a pruta. So the Gemara says, Lomi boy, what does that mean? So obviously it goes without saying that if she's leaving the dates on the table, they come in one by one. Then as long as one of them has a pruta, the Kiddush will work. Let's listen to this. 
I would have thought, I would have thought that maybe in a case where she's eating the dates, her eating the dates, since she is getting benefit from it right there, maybe she's willing to commit herself to the Kiddushin even for something less than a pruta. Kamashalam, that's not the case. Kamashalam said that even though she's eating the dates, as they come in, ultimately, again, since these are transactionally separate cases, one of the dates has to have a pruta associated with it. Or I'm sorry, one of the dates has to be worth a pruta. <laughs> Rabbi Ami, Amr, the old Lama Seifa. Rabbi Ami says, no, it's really going on the Seifa. What does it mean? So what does it mean? Ultimately, again, one of the dates has to have a Shavar Pruta. So we'll say, interestingly enough, what he means to say is, in that case of Osai, where Allah Chalamai says, he's saying, Bezu, Ubezu, Ubezu. Right? So therefore, again, we allow all of the dates to go ahead and total a pruta. So I will say, if Halacha Lamaisa, she's eating the dates as they come in, then in order to avoid a situation of being the Kaddishom Bahalva with a with loan, what has to happen? The last date given has to have an independent value of a Shavar Pruta. That's what has to happen in that case over there. Pretty interesting. Amarava, Shmami Namid Rabbi Amitla. So we learn from the Ami statement three things. So say, so by the way, and that seems to be the way that the, the Gemara is interpreting the Mishnah. So say, so bottom line, the, what we have in the Mishnah now is really three cases or two point five cases. Case number one, Ruvin goes over to Rachel, says Hariat Nikudashasli Bitam Razu, Hariat Nikudashasli Bitam Razu, Hariat Nikudashasli Bitam Razu. What's Talacha? What's Talacha? The dates do not combine since they are separate transactions in order for the condition to work. One, one of those dates has to be independently worth a pruta. Case one. Case two. Hariat Mikudesh asleep, Tamrazu, Ubizu, 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 Ubizu. This date and this date and this date. What's the halach on that case? What's the halach on that case? They combine. They combine. Now, there's another take on case number two. What happens if as the dates are coming in, she's eating them? She's eating them one by one as they come in. So in that case, the Mishnah says that what? That works as long as one of them is worth a pruta. Now Rabbi Ami says, Rabbi, Rabbi Ami says, now which one has to be worth a pruta? Well, say, which one? The last one. The last one given has to be independently worth a pruta. Why, Bosei? Because here's what the problem is. If the first one is the pruta date, and she's eating it, or someone, someone other than the last one is, worth, is the pruta date, then Bosei, essentially, if she's been coming mikudeshes with that, then halach that has the status of a halva, of a loan. Because the truth is, the kiddushin is not complete until the final date is given. So if she's being, so the, if halach one of the previous ones is the pruta one, then she's becoming kudoshes of a loan. So therefore, if she's consuming the dates as they come in, that kiddushin will only work if halach the last date was worth a pruta. Beautiful. So now it says the Gemara. Learn three things from Yami's statement. Number one, number one, Shmami Milva in That if you're Mekadishim with a loan, that doesn't work. Well, so we've seen that already before. In other words, words, to say it a little bit differently, loan forgiveness doesn't work by Kiddushin, right? Let's say again, Rachel owes Ruben $1,000, right? And he says to her, you know what? Keep the loan. And become a kudesh. See, that does not work. We saw that before already. Allah Chalmaisa, because again, the borrower is already considered to be the owner, so to speak, of the of the loan money. So therefore, again, it's not viewed as if the as if Reuben is giving her anything. Next, If a man is mekadesh a woman with both a halva, a loan, and a pruta, her das is on the pruta and not on the halva. That's the date case. 
Now, both say, this is going to be our next sugi, which is great. Also, what, else, what you also see is what? Let's say a man is Mekadish a woman with something, but it turns out that it never, it never, it never worked. In other words, either it wasn't Shavar Pruta or some reason other transaction that doesn't work. So what do you do about say with Kiddushin money that didn't affect Kiddushin? What's the halacha? They go back to the husband. Say, or they go back to the man. In other words, we'll say just, we're going to see cases like this in just a moment. That halacha lemaisa, again, Ruven gives Rachel an item of value, but for whatever the reason, it never quite measures up to a pruta. So now we'll say, so now Rachel is in possession of this money that didn't affect Kiddushin. So what happens to that money? Well, we're going to see, you could say, well, maybe Ruven wants her to have it as a gift. No. He doesn't, right? He wanted it for Kiddushin. If it doesn't work for Kiddushin, then what happens to the money? The money goes back, ultimately, again, to Ruvay. That's what we learn. That's what we glean from these cases over here. And we'll say, so three interesting conclusions. Number one, they can't be Mekadosh with Halva, which we've already seen. Number two, when a Kiddushin transaction has both a Halva and a Pruta, her das is on the Pruta, not on the Halva, which makes sense because Halva can't affect Kiddushin. And, and, and conclusion number three is that when money is given, but it doesn't end up affecting Kiddushin, the money is given back to Ruvain, to the, to the man, under those circumstances. Now, both say, along those same lines, watch this next piece. Idmar, great case. HaMekadosh HaChoso, listen to this. Man is Mekadosh's sister. Okay, now both say, okay. Now both say, now remember, remember, we're always operating under the assumption that a man is not Mekadosh's sister. Right? He's not being Mechadish's sister. And every person knows that you cannot marry your sister. Right? We know that. We know that. So, so, now, so now, what's the Shaila? What's the Shaila? So what is the status of the transaction? Again, we'll say, this is not a question of does the Kiddushin work. Everyone knows the Kiddushin doesn't work. Right? That's not it. The Shaila is, how do you, what, what happens to the money when you know that right, Ruben, Ruben is giving, is giving most Kiddushin to his sister. Ruben is a normal guy. He has no intention to marry his sister. He knows he can't marry his sister. What's the status of the money given? Watch this. Rav Amar, Moos Chosun. Now, since the money goes back, okay, give money back to Ruben. Shmuel Amar, Moos Matana. Oh. Shmuel says, no, the money is a gift. The money is a gift. So what's the Nachol? It's Rav Amar, Moos Chosun. Rav says, the money goes back to Ruben. Why? Adam Yodei Hashem Kiddushin Tovsin Ba'achoso. Because everyone knows he can't marry your sister. So I, so why did Ruben give the money to his sister? Really, he's giving her a pikadon. He wants her to watch something for him. Right? She's giving her a pikadon. Watch over this for me. And therefore, again, it's a pikadon. I So why don't you just give it to her as a pikadon? Right? It's a lot less awkward. Right? So why not say, you know, hey sis, can you do me a favor and just watch this for me? I will say, what's the issue? Savar lo makablo. Right? Ultimately, again, he's concerned that she's not going, she doesn't want to accept responsibility, ultimately, again, for a pikadon. Right? So she's not going to accept it. <laughs> it's, it's interesting, Cheshman over here. Right? So she's not going to accept a pikadon, but I guess if he says her ethnic kudeshas libe ma'ozu, you know, she'll accept that. Because maybe she thinks he's joking around, whatever it is. So he has a better chance of getting her to watch the pikadon if he gives it to her as kiddushin, then ultimately, again, if he gives it to her as a pikadon. Shmuel Sabah, Shmuel Sabah says, Shmuel says, ma'os matana. No, the money given is a matana. Why? Adam kiddushin tovsim ba'achoso. A man knows that he can't marry a sister. The gamar venas l'shumatana. He's giving his sister a gift, but he's framing the gift ultimately again as kesef kiddushin. I the name of the shumatana. Why don't you just tell your sister you're giving her a gift? 
Savar Kasifa I will say he thinks it's going to be embarrassing for her. So I will say so this, this, this approach actually resonates a bit more. He, in other words, he wants to give his sister money. He wants to give his sister a gift. He knows that she's going to be embarrassed to go and accept the gift. So what does he do? I will say, what does he do? Essentially, he makes a joke out of it. Right? Right, so he gives her the money. This is a, this is a more, uh, I guess, a more like jocular way for him to get her the money, which, you know, borders on the absurd, but like this, saves her dignity. It's quite actually, they both say it's actually like, it turns, goes from awkward to being actually quite beautiful. I still don't think the preferred way, like, like to give, to give a sibling a gift, but nevertheless, again, I will say, you know, so, sometimes, you know, that sometimes, you know, you know, just kind of making things a bit, a bit absurd allows people to, you know, just, in, in, the, in the absurd, you're able to go out and do things that normally, again, would not work in the normal world. So again, he's, he's, he's drawing on a little bit of absurdity in order to go out and give his sister this gift. Master Ravina, so Ravina said, Hamafrish chalosol kemach, eno chalos. So what's an interesting case of this, at least speaking this today. So this is what I'll say, the halochi is chala, right? You have to give chala to a coin. Even today, even today, we'll say we're still mafrish chala. Obviously, don't give it to Kohanim, but there's still mafrish chala. But the halochi is... You separate challah from dough. From dough. What happens if a person went ahead and separated out challah from kemach? Ultimately, again, from flour. So what happens in such a situation like that? So I say, my fish challah, so kemach. So I separate out challah from my flour. So inu challah, it's first, not an effective challah separation. The gezel biat coin. And if I give it to the coin, it's like theft in the hands of the coin. Meaning on both sides, the coin has to give it back. Coin has to give it back to me because it's not proper chala. So Gemara says, "Whoa, va my gezel biad coin." I got it. I got it. It's not proper chala because we'll say chala separated out from dough, not from flour. But why does it have to be something stolen in the hands of the coin? After all, neima adam yodeh shein mafish in chala kemach. Why don't you just say everyone knows that in general you don't separate out chala from flour? Vinasam shematanas. We'll say, why don't they just say like this? <coughs> Just like we saw before by Shmuel. Everyone knows he can't marry your sister. So if Reuven gives his sister Kesav Kiddushin, how do we understand that? It's Matano. It's one of the same thing over here. Everyone knows that Chala is from dough, not from flour. But if I separate out, quote unquote, Chala from flour and I give it to the coin, what am I really doing? What am I really doing? I'm giving him a gift. Why don't we just say that? Shiny Hazam did nothing korbamine. Most of the concern over here is something catastrophic could occur, namely what? Zimnin is that the coin pachos mi chamish rabban kemach, vahai alishle bahadi adadi, vikasar niskina isaso, vahase la michla bativla. Should I both say ultimately, again, remember a coin? What am I concerned about? I'm concerned about say it like this. In order, for, in order for a dough to be subject to the halachos of chala, ultimately, again, you have to have five quarters, five one quarters kab, or in other words, one and one quarter kabin. Now, I'll say, of untithed, of untithed dough. My concern over here is if the coin gets this flour and he thinks that this is tithed flour, he mixes it, he mixes it in with other flour, then what? And he has, he has a mixture that is one and one quarter copy, but he thinks that it's not subject to any tithing responsibility because he received flour for me that was already tithed, but you can't tithe flour so ultimately, he's going to end up eating untithed dough, thinking that it's tithed. That's the concern over here. 
But you just said before that everyone knows that you can't separate a challah from flour. If that's the case, when the coin gets it, he knows that it's not tithed. And he knows that he's getting a gift, so this concern shouldn't exist. He knows it, but he doesn't know it. How so? Everyone knows that you don't separate a challah from flour. What people don't know is the reason. So People assume, why can't you separate that flour, uh, challah from flour? Because they will say, that's going to be a tircha for the coin. Because now the coin has to bake the flour into, into dough. So in order not to make things complicated for the coin, we'd rather give the coin dough. See, it's something that's ready to eat, or so to speak, ready to bake off and eat. But maybe if the coin accepts flour, he's mochal on his tircha. So we'll say, that's what people get confused about. So everyone knows you don't give challah from dough. What people don't know is why that is. People think it's just about the tircha of the coin. Well, if the coin accepted it, then he's mochal on the tircha, and therefore it should be fine. And then the concern does, in fact, kick in. What's going to happen? The coin is now going to take this flour that he thinks is tithed, mix it in with other flour, think that it exempts the whole mixture because he doesn't have, he hasn't reached the requisite threshold, and he's going to end up eating on tithe produce. So we'll say, but let it just be true. We'll say, no, tough, the stuff over here for today. We'll pick up Amir Hashem in the middle of this. So we'll say, really, really interesting case over here. And remember, all going about essentially, what the Gemara is really grappling with over here is, what do you do with money? What do you do with money given for a transaction that everyone knows doesn't work? That's the fundamental issue. So is it just money that has to be returned? Well, like Shmuel is given as a matana, and we're just bringing up the parallel case over here of where someone gives something to a coin that they know doesn't work. What's the status ultimately of that flower? We're just to be continuing tomorrow. We'll say, Shkoyach. All right, Chavran Zoom, have a great day, everyone.